as apparent issues big and small impact and injure our child. While first aid is used to assess and address the physical needs of someone who's been hurt, a similar process is required for responding and treating emotional injuries. When the need exceeds our abilities, it's time to dial 911, the universal number for urgent assistance. Now you can access emotional 911 expertise, supplying steps to address your child's emotional bumps and bruises with responses that validate and repair everyday drama and resolve prior trauma. This podcast provides the life-saving skills of emotional 911 for parents. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get started with today's show. Today, we're going to talk about lifelines. As first responders, a parent is always on duty. We're usually the first to arrive and offer aid, and our child can have a crisis at any hour of the day or night, usually the night. (laughs) Sometimes we treat a singular incident, but more often the issue involved is situational, possibly dragging on for weeks, months, or even years. Our first instinct as humans is to sacrifice ourselves to save a loved one who's hurting or in danger. You know, seeing our floundering child and heedless of the hazards, we blindly dive to the rescue. Fully immersed and with our child desperately clinging to us, we no longer have the capacity to keep ourselves and our child above water. Um, When my daughter was in her full-blown anxiety, it felt as if um, she was just pushing off me, trying to propel herself above the water while I was sinking deeper and deeper below the surface. And then once in the water, we often get sucked into a whirlpool of pain, shame, or blame. So first aid becomes useless if you can't perform it safely without injuring yourself. And as a parent, solely attempting to save a child who's struggling can put us in harm's way. Without the right skills, tools, and equipment, we can quickly find ourselves becoming helpless right along with our child. Continual caregiving can take a toll on our physical, mental, and emotional strength. Have you found that? as a parent? Oh, absolutely. I I think that I find I become more resentful of my time or I'm less, instead of being more juvial and wanting to help and assist, it's more, it's, I don't get the joy out of it. I, I feel like, I feel like I could be a better parent if I were taking care of myself, but like, I can't, I'm just too involved, but it's hard to get perspective. If you're underneath the water and you have no one else, no other perspective to say, Hey, this isn't normal. You don't have to be this way. Right. I mean, stress, anxiety, excessive worrying, irrational fears, depression, sleep disruption, and physical problems are not just experienced by a child in crisis, but often by the parent too. So remember, we can't take care of others if we don't take care of ourselves. So I live in Idaho near some of the world's best whitewater rafting, and I have observed how experienced river rafting guides rescue someone who's fallen in the water. First, the guide is equipped with an extra buoyant life jacket designed to support not just their weight, but the extra burden of someone else's weight should the guide have to momentarily leave the safety of the boat or get pulled in the water. The second thing is the guide stays in the boat. And as parents, I think that's really important for us to stay in the boat emotionally. You know, so when the guide stays in the boat, they have this rescue bag and they throw, they throw the bag out and it has a lifeline that 
connects to that person who's in trouble from the ideal position of being able to give the most help. Instead of jumping in the water with them, they're able to pull them back into that safety of that boat. And these lifelines provide a means to rescue someone in a difficult situation. Um, and the guide can pull them back into the boat while keeping control of the craft. So <clears throat> as a parent, if you're overwhelmed with any of the needs of your child and you feel, find yourself out of the boat floundering in the water, we're going to talk about three lifelines that will bring you back to safety. Okay, so lifeline one, this, this wonderful phrase, everything is going to be okay. So one of the primary steps of first aid is to make sure the person in crisis is breathing. So just take a second, breathe deeply, and embrace this phrase. Everything is going to be okay. I can't really explain why those six words bring such relief. Perhaps it's because deep down you know that you're a survivor. No matter how bad things have been, how hard things are right now, or how much further you have to go, you'll make it and you're not alone and the answers will, will come and there are good days ahead always. So don't you think that's a natural reaction when we're in crisis to stop breathing? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. when we're, we're struggling, I, I, yoga even, if you've ever been into a hard position before and you start to you know, hold that breath because you're holding that pose rather than like breathing into it and thinking if I just like tense up that maybe it'd be easier somehow rather than I guess acceptance. And allowing, yeah. But I, I do think having hope changes everything. To me, hope is the life vest that keeps us afloat. You know, and, and just, again, trusting that there are going to be good days ahead and, we'll, and we're going to know what to do because that we feel that burden so much as a parent. We want to fix this. <laughs> the rescuers, even my, my own father has said that he really struggled watching his kids being in, being in pain or having disappointments. and to not hold space for our kids, we're not benefiting them. We're not, we're not helping at all if we come to their rescue every time, but also not saying we just let them struggle. <laughs> like we just have to, but you have to be there to right. hold that space. But you need to stay in the boat and then throw the lifeline out to them. So lifeline number two, um, you've probably heard this phrase, put on your own oxygen mask first. As, as part of airplane safety, passengers are told, in the event of an emergency, put on your own oxygen mask before helping those around you. So this important rule ensures survival in real life as well. When placing the needs of others before our own, especially in times of crisis, it's so easy to become stressed, depleted, and even experience our own personal health challenges. So it's really good if you're avoiding your own life. No, I mean, <laughs> it just fix everyone else around, around us, but... Yeah, I, I agree. I do want to look up a study, though. I mean, there's been a lot of situations where planes have been in crisis. I want to know how many mothers actually do put on their own oxygen mask <laughs> first. Like, regardless of what the stewardess are saying, they're like, no panic, no panic. I want it because that we could be helping a lot of people, or at least we're in good company, by sometimes forgetting to put on our own first. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how do we do that? What does putting our, the oxygen mask on ourselves first look like? Uh, you know, how do we recharge? When a cell phone crashes or the computer freezes, the cable connection circles and circles, the first <laughs> remedy to try is powering down the device and restarting it. And it's amazing. Almost everything works better after just being unplugged for a few minutes or turn, you know, turned off and restarting. 
So the same can be said for us. You know, we're not able to love, serve, and strengthen or support if we don't maintain our own health. So we have to give ourselves permission to carve out a few minutes for self-care each day. And it has to be every single day, like recharging those physical, emotional batteries. I mean, it, we, all, we all know the, the things that we're supposed to do, regular exercise, healthy diet, increasingly good yeah, shower. <laughs> and when you're in crisis, increasingly sleep or trying to get sleep at all, it, you know, that's, that's really hard. But there are other things that we can do that may recharge us. And we need to do them, you know, even just 10 or 12 minutes a day, just every single day, spending some time on a renewal activity. So let's kind of brainstorm some things that, that might be really some wonderful self-care suggestions or solutions, things that have worked for you. Um, I love music. That really uplifts me. Um, whether sometimes I just need to close my eyes and listen to something really soothing and other times like I need to turn on something and have my own cut, cut loose dance party. <laughs> <laughs> cut loose in the living room. And sometimes have you ever been in that space where you know it would help but you're like no I'm just gonna mope and I don't want the healing power of music because it can just feel instantly to go with that. Talking to a friend I think just giving your woes to somebody else that doesn't have to fix it. Just someone that says, hey, I'm here with you and, and it's going to be okay. And somebody else that's going to support you in that. Um, but let me, let me give you a little caveat on that. So when you're in a crisis um, we, and we look to others for that, that support during those precious self-care minutes, it, that time needs to be about you. So I've learned this um, mantra, lead with what you need. Um, I've learned not to ask how my friend or family member is doing when, I, when I'm feeling empty or need encouragement, because what ends up happening is you start this conversation, the time goes, and then and at the end, they're like, you're like, well, oh, sorry, I've got to go. And, and they say, oh, well, how are you? And you're like, oh, I'm fine. And you hang up and you feel even worse. So state the purpose for your call or conversation with really clear intent you know, say something like, I'm really struggling today. And I was just hoping you had five minutes that I could vent, right? We could say, I'm calling, authentic. I'm calling because I need you to remind me of lifeline one, everything is going to be okay, breathe. Um, you know, we can say, I'm hoping you have a few minutes to listen and give me some advice. If you want advice, don't ask for advice if you don't want it, because that can sometimes <laughs> that shaming uh, mode as well. Uh, what about I've locked myself in the pantry and I just need to hear a friendly voice. My friend has seriously done that. She has one of those big pantries and she had her stash of chocolate and she was like, they're out to get She had five children. She has five children. And sometimes the pantry was her only safe space. Agreed. Um, or ask for support. You know, say, would you be available to, to run to the store and bring me a gallon of milk or watch my kids for an hour uh, pick my child up from school or, or bring me a diet Dr. Pepper sometime today. So we, we need to remember to lead with what we need. I love that. It's, it's hard to be vulnerable though. Sometimes like when you feel like you're submerged and you're trying to, you know, bring your child out of the water, it can be hard to be okay that you aren't perfect and okay that you aren't being successful in that moment. Yeah. So that's why some of these self-care suggestions are kind of like redirection, re, um, recentering things. For me, getting outside, a few minutes of sunshine works wonders. 
and they've just they've shown that the power of of being in nature you know especially if you can get barefoot get barefoot on the sand oh the ocean is my happy place or barefoot in the grass just really connecting to the earth and kind of de-stressing just letting it all drop down into the earth that really helps me grounding it's also like if i could get up higher there's a lot of mountains here in utah so if i could get above my problems maybe i could i could have some real perspective on them as much as you know metaphysical perspective yeah that totally makes sense um i feel like i get a lot of inspiration from things that i read so reading from an inspirational book maybe a quote book i mean sometimes i only have time to read a, just you know a paragraph or a page and and yet then they'll just it feels like there's a message just for me or or on your yogi tea whatever the, the message is <laughs> of the day right it feels i are also, I think that that's one place that the millennials might have some culture there, their meme culture. It says, hey, it's funny because it's true, or hey, I relate to that. Mm. Oh, that's, yes, that's me, whatever it is. It, it makes you feel like you're not alone. Absolutely. And memes are a wonderful thing. Like, you can create your own Pinterest board and maybe make a file with all your inspirational quotes that either recenter you or um, just make you laugh out loud, you know, a humor one, whatever. I, I do think that that is huge because when you read that, you feel like somebody else can relate to what I'm feeling. Or like happy Kira is taking care of sad Kira now, you know, that it's like a, a gift you leave yourself later. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's perfect. I love that. Um, so taking, again, with that getting outside, Maybe you don't have time to go to the mountains, but even just getting outside and walking, you know, getting some movement in. A lot of people say to me, oh, well, you know, I can't leave the kids. I'm tied down to the house. I'm like, great, put them down for a nap, put them in front of a show and just even go stride back and forth in front of your own house. I mean, the kids might be pressed against the window looking at you. <laughs> just a change of scenery can recharge us. Sure. Mommy's going on a walk right now. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not invited. <laughs> I didn't go seek and you must find me. <laughs> yeah. um, I think there is a healing power also with animals. You know, you can, you know, pet a cat is very soothing. Take the, kid, take the kids to feed a duck or, you know, or, or walk the dog, you know, while you're out there. Watch some nature documentaries. <laughs> um, I have a very fuzzy dog for that reason. And he's a sweetheart, but my cat. He's, he's um spawn of the devil, I think. But I think <laughs> animals can be very, um, they can pick up on your on your emotions and they can just be supportive and they're really asking for nothing most of the time. Mm -hmm. And they're always happy to see you. Always. Um, how about breathing deeply while holding a few yoga poses? <sighs> yeah, I guess what? Even the corpse pose counts. <laughs> Do you know what the corpse pose is? <laughs> That's my favorite Savasana, right? Is it? No, it's like laying like you're a corpse. Like you're dead, right? But you can also do it with your oh, hands. Yeah, open, too. yes. Yeah, your hands are down. It's like, this is fine. Your legs aren't touching. That's my favorite pose. Yes. That is, and child's pose also works. Yes, yes, for sure. I think it's good to spend some time meditating or in prayer. You know, not just pouring your heart out to, to God or your higher power, but also listening for that personal guidance. Right, that, that inner, inner voice or... Um, inspiration. I think that that can be, gives you that hope 
and it gives you a direction and why, why, why do you struggle? What is the purpose of it? Having a perspective of this is all for something or, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? You know, you can really <laughs> align <laughs> what you want and if it's worth it. Cause sometimes you might just be like, yeah, yeah we don't, we don't need to do that today. Right. And sometimes we find the meaning and sometimes we just find the peace. And, right. and so that's why I, I like to turn to that. Um, I am a big fan of essential oils. I love to put them on you know, pulse points in my body or diffuse them in a room. And I just, lemongrass is my favorite. It just, I love lemon. It just makes me happy. I love it. Lemongrass and basil. I'm more, I want to know more about the healing properties of essential oils. Cause right now I'm just like, Ooh, this soap smells really awesome. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think you have to trust whatever you're drawn to. Um, my friend was really cute. She, as a gift, she gave us this little roll on essential oil and it was a blend. I don't know what it was, but she calls it Jesus in a bottle. <laughs> she just says, Jesus just, in a bottle. was it your Jesus? Did you, feel <laughs> you know, it can be, it can be anybody's version of Jesus, but it, I thought that was really, really cute. That is cute. Um, so you know, in the old days, people used to take the newspaper. And so you always had the, the funnies, the comic strips. And I used to love that. And we don't take the paper anymore. But, you know, you can look on, on online for things or you can buy comic books. My kids loved Calvin and Hobbes. But honestly, my favorite was a cartoon called Zits. Like, mm -hmm. Zits on your face. And it was about this interaction between the, the mom and her teenager, her teenage son. And the, it's, the way the cartoons were written was so amazing because as you read it as a mom, you could totally see what the boy was doing wrong. And if you read it as the boy, you could totally see what the mom was doing wrong. And I, I'd actually cut one out and put it on my son's bulletin board once because the, the son comes home from school and the mom says, how was your day? And he's like, what's with the waterboarding, mom? <laughs> all these things <laughs> I think that's really neat of you though that you were able to remember what it's like to be a teenager I'm sure that those are not quite to that stage yet I hope I will be able to have that empathy that hey I've gone through this before and you can see both sides I think as a parent that's important because maybe you just you just forget you you assume that this is how it is and why get but if you remember, like, oh, I remember two years old is hard, you know, <laughs> the world revolves around you. Yeah, Six years old is hard. And teenage, teenage years is hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, and it was a good way for us to connect through some difficult times as well. Okay. Another thing uh, we can do to recharge is ponder or add to a, a bucket list of joy bringers. Having something to look forward to it, uh, releases happiness hormones. Even, ju even just thinking about and anticipating something good coming. Dream vacation. Yeah. <laughs> My friend goes on Groupon travel all the time, but the problem is she ends up buying stuff. So she <laughs> <laughs> I can see myself doing that. Like if we're just planning this, it would have to be really ridiculously out of reach or I might just plan it too. Like, you know, desperate times. It's when you're, yeah, you're like $351 to go to Philippines. I'm there. Okay. I'm there. I don't even know where the Philippines is, but <laughs> don't be mad. Um, 
I think using a journal is really powerful and writing is a great way to release emotions so we can vent frustrations or we can just maybe get some perspective. You know, we, see, we write out the story, we can see maybe some blessings along the way, people who are helping resources. So it, to me, that's a very calming, recharging thing as well. I find sometimes in moments of crisis, I'm only writing my journal in moments of crisis. So I almost have to like preface stuff. Cody's a really good husband. <laughs> I'm just really <laughs> upset right now <laughs> because I'm not writing about the happy stuff as much because I'm living that part. And so it's like why I want to gain perspective. So I do try to like, I really love my child <laughs> she, most of the time. <laughs> but even if you have a journal that you only vent, if you flip back and you're like, oh my gosh, I was so upset and look, that resolved. And you now know the ending to it. So it, it does bring you comfort. You're like, you know what? I've been through tough times before. I am a survivor. So mm -hmm. it's, that's really encouraging. Um, okay. Let, we have to talk about the blessing of YouTube videos in our lives, right? Yeah, you know, videos. Why is my cat not as cool as these cats? <laughs> or find a TV show, you know, that makes you laugh. We're totally into Brooklyn Nine-Nine right now, and we just, it totally cracks us up. Brooklyn and I don't usually laugh out loud, but it is unpredictable. And and they just find the, the lighter side of life. So find something that works for you. I think um, sometimes when you feel like you're not making progress in your life, getting organized, give a little Marie Kondo to your life. Um, Working through clutter in real life can kind of eliminate energy drains on the, on the inside for us. So, I mean, just pick a day and say, I'm going to just clean this one drawer out, you know, or we're going to organize the toys or just go through I'm so glad I started with the drawer. I'm like, I, no, don't make me do the whole house. <laughs> no, no, but no, even just being able to, to later on open that drawer and see things organized, you're like, okay, I can create order. And it just gives Love you box. a sense of power <laughs> and mastery. Um, I think it's really important to practice visualizing things that we want. I've, I personally um, have created like my own secret garden, a place that I would love to visit. And, and it's a soothing place that I can go to let go of things. Um, and I, or you can use memories of a real happy place from your past. Like for me, Crystal Cove, uh, the ocean, I mean, that is my total happy place. So, and if I can't get to the beach, I, I can use uh, background music with soothing nature sounds, you know, or, or listen to a guided meditation. There's all kinds of apps like Calm and, um, Amazon now actually it even blacks out the screen where, you, or you could be watching a waterfall all day. Oh, nice. On Amazon Prime. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So all of these things, just this, um, those are things that we can do, but self-care also shows up in conversations. So when we say yes to someone else, we ha we need to evaluate if that's a no to ourselves. So, you know, you're, you may not be advertising to the world that you're in survival mode, but you can create these personal boundaries of space and time. So I have found this magical phrase um, to avoid accepting an assignment or an invitation when I just can't handle it. I just say, that's not going to work for me. And you can add qualifiers such as, that's not going to work for me today or this week or right now. But should people press you for details, you, you simply repeat that phrase, they'll finally clue in that it's none of their business why it won't work for you. And it's non-negotiable. If it's not gonna work for me, it's not gonna work for me, right? You're so brave. <laughs> 
teach me, teach me to have better boundaries. Okay. So it goes back to what we talked about as far as validating. So you, so you honor the request. Oh my gosh. I would so love to help out at the classroom. That's just not going to work for me right now. So when you honor the request or, oh, I would love to, or that would sound so wonderful. And, and then we can say, and that's not going to Not work. but, and, and. <laughs> we're learning so much. So we have to remember that self-care is taking care of others. By strapping on our own oxygen mask first, we ensure that we have that life-saving vitality to love, serve, and give from a position of strength rather than one of weakness. I once heard a story about women in the home and maybe this, I mean, this can be applied to men too, but they're like a well where everybody comes to drink to get nourishment. You know, your friends, your mother-in-law, your, your children, your pets, your husband, of course. And you're supporting this whole little ecosystem within yourself. But if you don't replenish the well, then maybe you start to go into scarcity mode. Like maybe every time even your husband tries to get a drink, you're like, no, it's my water. No. Or you start to become resentful and you're not doing it in a joyous and generous spirit. It's more um, out of fear and scarcity. And so I think paying attention to your water level and your, you know, are you refilling and taking care of self-care of yourself? Then you're going to be able to ultimately be a better partner, mother, wife, husband, by recharging. That's perfect. All right, lifeline three, don't paddle alone. It's not uncommon to feel like our child's struggle is a family secret that can't be shared with others. Sometimes shame plays out in our heads and makes us afraid to look like a parenting failure. Other times we feel this pressure to prove, I don't even know to who, that we are strong enough to solve our, our problems on our own. I think that we have a panel in our heads, a, you know, a whole critic panel of judges telling us, you know, maybe that panel is, you know, our mother's voice, our grandmother's voice, our neighbor's voice, our best friend's voice of all saying, well, you could do it this way, or this is the right way to parent. And we have to sometimes just silence that and listen to ourselves and trust that those people, those caricatures of them in our heads that's not how they're really going to respond if we were asking for help. Yeah, agreed. Silence that inner, inner critic because you're judge, jury, and executioner a lot of times. <laughs> right? But what about, what about a, a lawyer? Why can't you also be the, the prosecutor? The defendant? No, not the prosecutor. Not the no, yeah, not the prosecutor. We don't need to add somebody else. He's the lawyer. But no, advocate for yourself. Defender. Yeah, we want to be the defender for ourselves. The important thing to remember is there is no shame in needing or asking for support. And as we do, we're, uh, when, I, when my child was in crisis, I was surprised how many other people had struggled or were currently struggling with similar concerns. And that really helped me. So They say that women are better at that. Actually, they call it tend and befriend, that it's a social evolution response that women had to take care of the the tribe they had to take care of their uh their offspring and so you'd have to reach out it takes a village it takes a community so that tend and befriend uh will kick into gear if if you are centered and grounded and you know, because you i think when we're out. in crisis we tend to isolate ourselves we tend to feel like nobody understands me or like you know we talked about with that shame so 
No matter the need, we need to remember we're not alone and we weren't meant to navigate the twists and turns of life on our own. Courage doesn't always come from within. Sometimes courage comes from the support we feel from others. So in one of my favorite YouTube videos, it shows this bus stop in Montreal, Canada, and it's outfitted with these heaters that can only be powered by human connection. So it's part of an advertising campaign for Duracell. This banner reads, in Canada, we have cold winters, but we have each other. <laughs> so it's so fun in the video. By placing palms against sensors on opposite walls and then holding hands, two or more people can create this human chain to complete the circuit. And the triggers that uh, this triggers the heat from the vents in the shelter's ceiling. And it's so funny because they you get these two strangers in this bus stop and they kind of look at each other and they real they read the instructions and they're like, okay, I'll hold your hand. <laughs> I wanna hold your hand. That is so cute. I've never seen this ad, but that sounds so cute. We just all have to come together if you want warmth. Yes, so you can find it on YouTube if you type in Duracell Canada Moments of Warmth. So it's a surprise bus shelter. The point of it is working together, we can make an unbearable situation bearable. So when, when we're in crisis, join or, or maybe even start a support group if there's not one for your particular need. When, when our child struggles um, either emotionally or educationally, we can schedule a meeting with the, the school teacher, the counselor or, or administrator to get others on your team, get those IEPs and things like that. Um, it, is, it is concerning though sometimes. It's hard to reach out. You wonder, you know, is my child going to be labeled by getting an IEP or uh, to advocate? You want to advocate for your child, but also not put him or her in a situation that maybe, you know, uh, they have a label that's going to be attached to it. Yeah, yeah, we don't want that limitation. Right, right. The other thing is finding supportive friends, people that you can vent to, people you can talk to, and, and maybe even reaching out to extended family, asking them to step in so that you can take a break and, and keep your head above water. Right. Those social connections are huge. They're now saying it's so part of uh, our health and well-being, not just our emotional health that, that impacts our physical health, is to have these strong social bonds that we are lacking now in this generation. Right. I mean, we're, we're friends on Facebook, but you don't see the pain behind that smile or the, those photos. Or so conversation. When, um, when a child is in crisis, I feel like often the mother carries the lion's share of the load. I know when my daughter was in crisis, it was crazy because all the drama happened for her anytime she had to leave the house, which those things happened when my husband was at work. So getting up in the morning, her leaving to school, things like that were just insane. And I was the one getting the phone calls from the school when she was having the meltdowns. I was the one trying to deal with it. But she was fine in our home. It was an interesting dynamic that none of the, the only anxiety came from leaving the home. So when my husband would come home from work and we were home all evening, she was calm and happy. And he, he almost couldn't even relate to what I was going through. It was very, very frustrating. So I think it's really important that as, you know, if you have a spouse or a significant other that you learn to co-parent together by rowing together. So we're, we're still using our river rafting analogy. Um, you know, parenting is like putting two first-time paddlers in a canoe, and unless they learn to row together, you can spend, a, you may find yourself really frustrated spending a lot of time and energy just going in circles and not getting anywhere. Very frustrated. 
I think that canoeing would definitely be a form of couples therapy. Learning <laughs> 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 how to do it together. Cody and I, you know, we're not, <laughs> we're still learning how to row together and what's going to be the best course of direction. Sometimes it feels like you're just going in a circle. Well, and you and I have talked about Dr. John Gottman. He's a relationship expert and author, and he actually calls marriage a cross-cultural experience with each spouse bringing unique cultures from their own upbringing. Absolutely. I love John Gottman and the work that him and his wife have done. You are taking two entirely different people with different sets of rules and, and standards and putting them in the same house, which is hard. But even more difficult when you have this opportunity to come together to raise one or five children. How do you blend that? And especially in times of crisis, when you're going to have those knee-jerk reactions and all of a sudden your mother's voice is coming out of your own voice. How do you blend that together and make a unified parenting strategy? Yeah. Um, you know, it is, it's funny because those differences in parenting styles aren't usually revealed until there are difficulties. And you know, children can sense when the parents aren't in sync and they will definitely rock the boat. So I, I think there's things that can really help. Um, uh, studying, let's call them maps together, figuring out where you're headed as a family, share ideas from parenting books, blogs, or podcasts like this one to create a unified front when responding to a child's choices and needs. Have you, have you been successful in getting your husband to listen or read something? Yes. I, so there's the Relationship Alive podcast. That one's more, I mean, maybe not so much parenting. It goes into a little bit, but a lot about communication and a lot about uh, coming together and really focusing on your relationship being the, the key to your family. Without a healthy relationship, then you don't have a, a healthy family. Um, how to talk so kids would listen. That one was interesting. Um, <laughs> You just try to take in so, so much. And it comes from, I think the more you explain your perspective, the more that other person can hold empathy for it and entertain an idea, even if they're not accepting it as their own, they at least know where you're coming from. Exactly. Because um, when you're bringing these different cultures, you know, and, and growing up years, you have different, sometimes different perspectives on things. So it's really important to identify those core values and describe areas that maybe you're willing to compromise and ones you're not, such as bedtimes or chores, grades, sports, holidays, all of those things. Spanking, no spanking. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, we, we need to define discipline and family rules and, and reasonable consequences when things are calm, not when things are out of control. Reasonable consequences. Yes. So tackling those high stress situations as a team. Uh, discuss the, uh, when the children aren't there, when you're alone, discuss those behavior concerns that you may be noticing and then create that plan of action together. Right. I think or especially in, in a discipline situation, um, we can empathize with our child, but we need to support our spouse. So we need to provide that backup when one parent disciplines a child, obviously, as long as it's not abusive. And if we don't agree, then discuss that privately and readdress later with the child should both parents approve of an, an alternative solution. I have actually made that mistake, very lowbrow, but I've made the mistake of critiquing my husband's uh, discipline. and 
all it was was more turmoil. It was, you know, the next night was even harder because she looked at me like, well, mom, aren't you going to do anything? Aren't you going to step in? And I realized they're like, okay, no, we, we are a team. We were here first. <laughs> we, were here first. <laughs> we have to unify. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she, not saying that she, I don't want to use manipulative in the negative connotation, just that they want what they want and they're going to try to find the easiest way of doing that. They don't see the repercussions that can happen after she goes to bed. And then uh, there's that, that discord between uh, co-parents. And as we communicate with our spouse, I think it's really important to use those I messages, such as I feel overwhelmed versus you're overwhelming me versus the you judgment. You never help. You know, that's really important because then they feel attacked and then you're, you're back to paddling alone. And <laughs> what about, I feel like you never help. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh, you're tricky. You are. <laughs> now we see where your daughter gets. <laughs> right. It's a plan, you know. <laughs> So obviously raising a child is a, is a long journey and it's important to keep things in perspective. We need to be flexible. We need to strive to balance that total stress load to keep from capsizing. You know, you don't want to put all the burden on one person because, or on one side because, and that boat's going to tip. But I feel like with, with a little communication, cooperation and collaboration, you can get into that synchronized rhythm of, of successful parenting. Mm -hmm. I also want to say like recognizing when you are taking on the load. I think my problem, I can be kind of a martyr and I don't realize how much weight I've been pulling or how much I've been rowing on one side <laughs> until, uh, you know, you need a lifeline. You're like, Hey, call for help. Put my hands up, getting above water here. <laughs> right. Right. And to be there. So Hopefully your takeaway from Lifeline 3 is to remember that it's so much easier to navigate through whitewater rapids, those difficulties in life, when you have other paddlers in your boat and a seasoned guide like me and Kira who've, who've been down the river before or who are starting on our journey. And together we can chart a course for emotional well-being for not only you, but your loved ones. Thanks for listening to our Emotional 911 for Parents podcast today on Lifelines. If you find yourself overwhelmed and out of the boat and floundering the water, grab one of these three lifelines back to safety that we discussed today. Lifeline one, breathe and repeat the life-saving phrase, everything is going to be okay. Lifeline two, put on your own oxygen mask first. Give yourself permission to carve out a few minutes of self-care each day. We'd love to hear how you find ways to recharge your physical and emotional batteries. Remember that self-care shows up in conversations too. Make sure to lead with what you need and recognize that when we say yes to someone else, we have to evaluate if that's a no to ourselves. Self-care is taking care of others. By strapping on your own oxygen mask first, you ensure you have the life-saving vitality to give from a position of strength rather than one of weakness. And lastly, lifeline three, paddle together. It's not uncommon to feel like our child's struggle is a family secret that can't be shared. There is no shame in needing or asking for support. And as you do, you'll be surprised how many others have struggled or are currently struggling with similar concerns. 
courage doesn't always come from within. Sometimes courage comes from the support we feel from others. No matter the need, you are not alone. Working together, we can make an unbearable situation bearable.